Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and today's Friday, it's casual Friday. Casual. We're being casual. We're always casual here, kind of. Casual. Give me those some some of those thummy thumbs. Since you're here casually on Friday, the thummy thumbs, it helps us out. I'm, I'm, I've been told, right? If you don't give the thumbs, we don't get the show anymore. I guess, maybe, maybe. So hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We've got tons, tons of content on the channel. NFL still, you know, week 11. Tons of stuff. I'll be back on later today with the NFL uh, Advanced Sports Analytics Show, right? We got stuff on, on Saturday, Sunday morning. We've got tons of stuff here. So subscribe to the channel. You'll 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 get you'll get all the content here at Roto Grinders. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Feel free to post whatever the hell you want. It's Casual Friday. We'll talk about anything. I don't care. It's going to be mostly NFL, right? We're going to take a look. Uh, pretty much, it's going to be the first time I take a look at this slate. I kind of the first time. I kind of built a dummy lineup so I could you know enter contests on both sites. But kind of just look look at the projections, look at the ownership a little bit. I mean, we still got some news to, to to wait on. What's going on with Alvin Kamara? What's going on with Clyde Edwards Hilaire? What's going What's going on with with other people? I guess are we waiting on? We're waiting on stuff, I guess. Uh, so uh, so good morning, good morning, Gerald Miller, Hog Lawrence card fan, first round exit tray. Good morning, good morning. Post your questions in there. I'm just going to be running some lineups, right? That's what we do. To figure out what 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 types of stacks, what types of lineups are we going to play in NFL with our current projections, right? Like I said, you know, Kamara's out. That makes Ingram Ingram a play. Then Daryl Williams, not Daryl Williams is going to be, you know, there. I mean, what are we doing with Gaskin? I don't know about that. I mean, Chase Edmonds isn't back, so Connor's still there. Obviously, we have a big total in the uh, in the Dallas. Kansas City game, that should be one of the chalkier games. But I don't see many of the Cowboys up here as far as projection. Like, I, you can go team by game by game. Because I'm looking at that salary-adjusted plus-minus value. Typically, that, that's going to show what game stacks are going to, you know, come together. So, like, the Jets, not much here for the Jets. Miami, a little bit. You're right, Gaskin, Waddle, Gazicki. Okay, but that's a low total game. Let's see, Houston, Tennessee. Not much, really. Marcus Johnson, is he a viable cheap option at 3,400? Maybe. Got A.J. Brown there. Houston, Brandon Cooks, as always. Right? Okay, he's viable. Let we go here. We go to Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah, you can do the Diggs-Beasley stack. Yeah, something like that. Indianapolis. I mean, yeah, Taylor Pittman-ish, yeah, even though they, they don't project all that well. They only have a 21 implied team total. So typically we see these guys like Taylor and Pittman project much better when Indianapolis has a 26, 27 point team total. New Orleans, garbage. If Kamara plays, right? Ingram would be fine if, if he doesn't. But based on this, not much. Philadelphia, not much here. This one of the least appealing games. One of the lowest total games, 43 total. Maybe Goddard. He's questionable. Kez Watkins, I don't know. Is that viable? 3,700? Washington, not much here. I mean, you could always play McLaurin, I guess, right? Ricky Seals-Jones is a punt tight end. Carolina, McCaffrey, more. Okay, Carolina looks a little bit a little bit better this week. Cleveland, 
Nick Chubb. You can play Nick Chubb, and the, the receiving game is not you – know, keep on playing Landry and not getting there. They have a big total, 27 and a half. But Chubb is expensive, 7,800. Detroit, DeAndre Swift, 7,000. Okay, I almost prefer to play him. Let's take a look at San Francisco. Oh, Debo, Kittle. Okay, this is this may be viable. San Francisco stack, maybe. Jacksonville on the other side, not much. Dan Arnold. Yeah, okay, so Dan Arnold show. Green Bay, Minnesota. Obviously, Green Bay is going to have two big, I mean, Adams and Dillon. They're both going to be very owned, right? Because Aaron Jones is out. A.J. Dillon should pretty much step in and get 70, 80% of the work. Minnesota, Dalvin Cook. Thielen and Jefferson don't project all as badly as they would normally. In the past, they've been lower projected. Maybe a lot of people will be playing the Green Bay side and not enough will be playing Thielen and Jefferson. Jefferson, obviously, 8,100 is getting up there. But Thielen, 6,600. Conklin, maybe, 3,900. This could be a game. Let's see Baltimore. Ah, nothing really here at Baltimore. Everyone's healthy now. They cut into too much too much of each other's uh, production. Lamar may may be fine, but I mean, you're going to be losing a lot of projection by pairing them with you know Bateman, Brown, Andrews, Watkins, Chicago on the other side. Yeah, not much here. David Montgomery maybe. Cole Komet, cheap tight end. Let's see. How about the Raiders? Darren Waller. Okay, Renfro. I, I mean, I, you know me, I think that the people people don't roster the Raiders high enough. I may like this game. This this may be my favorite game on the slate. Cincinnati, Las Vegas, it may be. I mean, I'm just I'm preliminarily looking at it. Right, Waller, Jacobs, Renfro, Edwards, eh, maybe. Cincinnati on the other side. See, you got, you, got, you got people on the other side. Higgins, Chase, Boyd, Beeson, Mixon, maybe. Then Arizona, Seattle. Arizona, not much. Just that too much, you know, is Hopkins going to play? Everyone's kind of overpriced. James Conner is viable. Seattle, Lockett and Metcalf. I almost prefer the other side of the game. Play the Russell Wilson side. You pair one of Lockett or Metcalf up with uh, Everett. Because now they're cheap, right? Metcalf 6,800, Lockett 6,000. That's doable. We still have Chris Carson in the projections. So that may bump up Collins. He's doubtful. Then we have Dallas, Kansas City. Kansas City, obviously, Hill, Kelsey, Darrell Williams, depending on CEH's status. Then on the Dallas side, doesn't project as well. Right? These Dallas, these Dallas guys are going to be lower owned. CeeDee Lamb, 7,600. Zeke, 7,700. Cooper, 6,200. Maybe play the Dak side. I mean, they don't project horribly, but not well. So that you could go through and you could see like what's more likely to come up. Like I could run lineups and see the same thing. You go team by team and go, what games have the most amount of like high projected players together? So I'm going to run a hundred lineups. We have what? 12 games late. So I'm going to run 12 games late. It's 24 teams. Run, run each four uh, percent, each quarterback at four percent. Does that does that get us pretty much all of them? Forty nine five. I got everything here. 
just to see based on our gridiron IQ projections, what, what these lineups look like. A three plus one type of lineup. And it doesn't matter if it's with the running backs or whatever, just whatever. Three guys from one team, one guy from the other team. Let's see what they look like. So I'm going to run a hundred of these and then take a look at the YouTube chat. Uh, Hot large DFS. Love that settings feature in lineup HQ that allows you to have multiple independent iterations of player pools and build rules for the same slate. Yes, that's, that's a new feature. You could save settings. You can say, here's my settings for this, and then do a set, do a second one, do a third one. So you could create a new blank set. So if you wanted to have multiple iterations of you know different, this is this is for small field, this is for large field. You could do stuff like that. I don't I don't use it, I haven't used it yet because I don't I don't I don't feel like I need to, but maybe I'll play around with it so so I could show it off at least. Uncrabby Cabby. Hey, Jordan, do you use the same process that you've been teaching us for NBA to find NFL lineups? Yes. The process is the same. No matter, you can get to that same thing 700 different ways. What's the overall concept of DFS when you're playing GPPs? You want to play lineups that project well for lower ownership. That's it. That's it. That's that's it. You're going to sacrifice projection. You better be gaining ownership with it. So that's your goal. And the, the, the amount of projection you're willing to sacrifice is dependent on the size of the contest that you're playing. What's the exact number? Who knows? You have to estimate that. You're doing something using a light of HQ or something like that. You're estimating, you're judging it yourself. Is it worth six points projection to get this low ownership? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Is 50 points probably that's probably too much. Right. And we're getting into the gray area. Just being in that gray area is better than 90% of the field. That's just like just picking players at random. Practically. Uh, question, Jordan. I believe you said pros like yourself can't play in tournaments with low $5 entry fees. If so, why was awesome on a $3.20 max last night? You can't, we can't be in tournaments that are five below $5 that have lower than a $25,000 price pool. You could go to DraftKings community guidelines. See, this is this is this is. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't mean to to, to to rag on you, Gerald Miller. Okay, so this is. The, I'm. This is not a personal attack, but I just. It's a pet peeve of mine. Okay, I'm not smart. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put it right out there. I'm not smart. Right, the stuff that I show you here, the concepts that I show you, I did not make up. Okay, I did. I did not invent any of this. Right. All the information that I know is because I look for it. Like that's essentially what it is. I just looked for it. Right. I didn't ask. I didn't ask anyone. I just looked for it. I said, how, how do you how do you play MLB DFS? Well, well why don't I look at the, the top players that play and what do they do? Right. And how do I how, how could I how could I re-engineer that? Oh, oh. So if I want to find out information, I just I just look for it. Okay, so if you wanted to find out anything, you'd figure that, you know, the restrictions on, you know, the limited players, like this is what I would do. Like, I'll show you. Okay, so I'd go to Google. Google Google.com. I don't know. I don't know if you know about this site. It's called Google. Okay, so now I'm going to go DraftKings. uh, What would I look for? Like, you know, uh, the, the 
guidelines, guidelines. Oh, community go fills it in for me. So I'm going to go to community. I'm going to search for this. Fair play commitment. Learn about allowable and prohibited. Okay, maybe it's this. So I'm going to take a look at this. Right, I'm just going to Google it. So I'm like, okay, let me take a look. Okay, okay, rules of play, a fair playing field. It sounds like something that's like, oh, maybe they maybe they limit, you know, experience badges, find beginner contests. Con oh, oh, here we go. Contest eligibility provisions we put in place thanks to player feedback. The highest volume players are ineligible to playing contests if the entry fee is less than three dollars, less than three dollars, which means two or less. They are also ineligible to enter contests where the entry fee is less than five dollars if the prize pool is less than twenty five thousand dollars guaranteed. All contests with entry fee of less than five dollars are twenty entries max, with the special exception of mini max contests. And there's even a learn more button. Let's see. Right, we can see here enhanced contest eligibility, multi entry limit, and mini max. Single entry limits. Players can no longer no more than fifty single entry contests that are non guaranteed in the same sport. Entry fee and start end time at the one, two, three, five, or ten dollar amounts. At the higher ones, you can do as many as you want, pretty much. Beginner contest. See, look, I found it. It's kind of weird that when I like use Google and like typed in some words that would take me to where it is, like I would find it. Okay, so like I'm not ragging on like I'm not Gerald. I'm not ragging on you. Just un just understand that like everything's out there. If you want to learn something, if you want to find out something, everything is out there. Every literally everything. You never have to watch this show again. You never have to ask me a question. Literally, uh, you know how I know? Because I found out. You know how I found out? Not from some secret cabal or something. And now I'm bringing it to you. It's because you can Google anything you damn want. There are forum posts. I found, I, I, I read, just to put things into perspective, uh, I read every strategy forum post on Roto Grinders when I first started. This is like 2015 early 2016, I guess. I read every strategy post, forum post. Now, the Photographers Forum started in, what, 2010, 2011? I read every single forum post for strategy ever. Like, ever. So for, for five, five and a half year period of forum posts. Now, ones that were specifically labeled like strategy type of thing. I'm not like, not like slate analysis type of thing. And some of these forum threads were 500, 600, Posts long, and you know what I did? I read them all. Read them all. Every art, every article, strategy article on Road of Grinders. I read every video, strategy video. I watched them all. I watched easily four hundred to five hundred hours of video, easily. I mean, when I first started in late two thousand fifteen, early two thousand sixteen, hundreds of hours. So, like, what I would do if I if I was if it was me back then. And you're like, you're watching this show right now, the DFS pregame show. You know what I, you know what I, I, there would be no, like, I know exactly what I need to do. Go back to the first ever one of these shows. And you know what I do? Watch them in order. And you know, that sounds ridiculous. These shows are typically an hour long and I've done hundreds of them. You go, what am I supposed to do? Hundreds of hours? You're playing against people that have advanced PhDs and, applied mathematics that give no craps about taking all your money they're obviously putting in the work so what work are you going to put in when the information is out there so I'll always understand there's more there's always more for you can do and all the information is available to you all of it is you can know as much as i know 
by just watching the shit, right? So I always want to highlight that out. I don't want to call out one specific person. But any question, I get DMs. I get at least one DM a week. At least one DM a day, not a week. One DM a day, usually multiple DMs a day of questions that I've answered 700 times on this show. Like, like hundreds of times. I'm not talking about, oh, you had one time and one, no, no, hundreds of times. I get uh, questions that are in the course that are answered like directly. Like from people that have bought the course. And I go, I don't know. That to me, when I, when, I see the, when I see those questions, I go, maybe it's time for you to quit DFS. Because I just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It's part, I guess it's maybe part of my personality or something like that. Like, I, I, I don't understand how, how you can't find out this information. Like, to, to me, to me, it, it, it baffles, I mean, it, it truly, it truly baffles me. When I go, when I go to Kroger, like the supermarket, I've never asked uh, an, an employee where something was. Never. You know why? Because there's a Kroger app and you could type in any item and it gives you the aisle number that it's on. You, the, the information's out there. So if I know oh, baking pans or like my wife needs to, me to get something that I, I'd like, I don't know what aisle this would be on. Is it in the international aisle? Is it in this? It could be. And, and we have Kroger's that have like 40, 50 aisles. It's like, it could be there. It could be here. I'm not necessarily sure what it looks like. I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know what I'm looking for. Do you know what I do? I Google it. So they want me to get this, this taco seasoning type of, okay, well, what does it look like? And there's an image of it. Then I go to the Kroger app, type it in, type in something, right? Taco, and I can find it. Oh, that's that picture. And then it's aisle 28. And I go to aisle 28 and I look wild. Oh, there it is. So it's like, so why do I have to ask anyone? The information's out there. That's, that's my natural, that's what I naturally do. So you can understand why I have stuff like super stupid Saturdays or whatever, because I naturally, I don't, I don't understand people that can't just find the information. Like it just, it's, it's, it's just, it's a start. It's, it's, it, it truly, I mean, I, I really, I really want to highlight this. I mean, I know it's casual Friday. We can talk about casual stuff, right? It truly, it truly baffles me. I mean, to the, I mean, it baffle baffles me. It's like, I, I look, I, like I look at those people and I go, I don't know how you, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you got out of like being an infant. Like I just, I don't, I don't get it. I look at those people and go, I, 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 I what I would always say is like, I don't trust to even get in a car with you. Like I don't even understand how you would have learned how to drive a car. I don't know how, whatever you do for a living, I will never go to your business because I, I could never trust anything that you do. Because it just, it baffles me. The information is out there. Just look for it. Oh, uh, let's see. Go through. Oh, let's see. Michael Dapier says, for, for, uh, for your information, I'm a consultant. A number of people would pay me to answer questions. That's basically a Google is baffling. Right, exactly. Applications of stuff. I mean, there, there, there's a value in going over the applications of things. And that's what that's what I use this show for. Here, here are all the concepts that you need to weigh, but here's here's some type of application of it, an example of it. So, like I said, we 
I built a hundred lineups here. I capped the uh, the ownership, the the exposure of the quarterbacks to four percent, just so I get them all. I get like them all, so we could see the differences between the ownership and the projected points for each of these three plus one types of lineups. Does that mean you have to play three plus one lineups? No, we're doing this for research purposes. Okay, we're also doing it based on the current numbers. These numbers will change. You know how many times I have to say that? That this, that this is how frustrating it is. Where I will do something in the morning, especially like an NBA, do something in the morning, and then I will get I will get a message in my DMs the next day saying you were so wrong about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, who said you should play X, Y, and Z because of the morning? It's like, dude, this guy was out, and that guy, like, everything changed. The number, every all the numbers changed by six o'clock. That's why I constantly have to say, based on the numbers that we're looking at, you're you're not watching this show to get the answers. You're watching the show to get the process. So me putting in, like, let's take a look at what all the quarterbacks and three plus one stacks look like. To compare a projection number and an ownership number. These numbers will change, but the process of doing this will not change. You can do this Sunday morning. So you can, so, you, so now you can start comparing things. Rather than thinking in terms of players, what players do I play? I'm looking at lineups. That's the biggest thing that you have to get go away from. 95% of people that, what players should I play? And I go, it's not about players, it's about lineups. They go, but players have lineups. I need to know what players to play. So some people find it hard getting into the mindset of you're playing lineups. So using a tool like lineup HQ like this and running through lineups without thinking about players gets you more in that mindset of like, I'm just running lineups and taking a look at numbers. These two numbers of not looking out, do I want to play Brandon Cooks? I do not care about the players. We're just looking at lineups. The more, the more you think in those terms, the better you'll get. So we're going here. We're going Derek Carr, 143. Right. Who cares about ownership right now? So 143 for Derek Carr lineups that are three plus one. So you get Carr, Renfro, Waller, Higgins. But obviously, we're going to see most of the lineups that project well are the ones where we went through game by game had more pieces that had a higher, you know, a salary adjusted plus minus. Trevor Simeon, 129, right? 129, right? Not, not good. Yeah, you're lower ownership, though, right? Okay. So you get Simeon, Kamara. Troutman, Carson Wentz, 134, All right? What's the highest one? What, what, what's the highest one that we have? 143 for Derek Carr. So yeah, you're going to be giving up a lot of points going, a lot of projection going out to, to a New Orleans, Philadelphia stack. Simeon Kamara, well, it just assumes Kamara's playing. Troutman, Quez Watkins. So we have the best 143 is the top. Carson Wentz is 134. So you're giving up like nine points. To do Wentz, Pascal, Pittman, and uh, where's Buffalo? I'd call Beast. Jared Goff, who I think is out. We have him as questionable, but I think he's out. Goff, Swift, 135. Lamar Jackson, 135. Fields, 135. Tyrod Taylor, 136. All right, we're going to go down. We're going to find some. Taysom, Taysom Hill. I don't know why he's in the projections. 122. 
Patrick Mahomes, 143. Mahomes, Hill, Williams with Michael Gallup. So here's some higher projected Patrick Mahomes lineups. This is assuming that obviously CEH is not it. Okay. And we have Joe Burrow. That Cincinnati, the Cincinnati uh, Las Vegas game, right? Carr and Joe Burrow, these types of lineups project very, they project just as well as the Chiefs lineups, right? Probably get Boyd, Higgins, Burrow, and Darren Waller, tight end, right? Probably have Renfro in some lineups, right? Maybe not, not these four. Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, 5,100. Is he too cheap? Newton, McCaffrey, Moore with Ricky Seals-Jones. They don't project that badly. 141, Russell Wilson with Lockett and, and Everett. They run that back with, uh, with James Conner. Okay, that makes sense. Tua, Tua, Gaskin, Waddle, Michael Carter. I mean, projects at 140. Not a big fan of that game. Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers, Dylan. Yeah, you just do Rodgers, Dylan, Adams. And right, you don't have to worry about the secondary pieces. You run that back with uh, Tyler, Tyler Conklin, right? Okay, that, that's doable. Dak Prescott. Let's take a look at the other side of that game. So it's Prescott. Gallup Cooper, and then Daryl Williams. Do you get Tyree Kill in any of these lineups? The top four? No. So this is what you're looking for. You're like, okay, so you could start comparing. These are the best. Like, obviously, these are the, the top four projected lineups of this configuration. Maybe you don't play a run back at certain lineups. Maybe you do. Maybe you play a single stack. But you're just looking for, like, what games have the most amount of higher projected, decently, you know, above expectation players together and what do they look like so you get a sense so they, you go oh okay maybe it, people will look and go like well i'm gonna play lamar jack no one's playing lamar right they go oh everyone's gonna go to mahomes and prescott and 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 uh, and burrow and newton and whatever you know josh allen how many people are playing lamar they see they look at the quarterback ownership and it's like i don't care about the quarterback ownership I look, look at the lineups and you go, well, I'm going to play Lamar with Bateman and Andrews and run that back with Colt Met. That's all perfectly fine, but you're sacrificing, you know, eight points of projection for doing so. Compare that to the ownership now. You could do it. It'll probably a large field. That's fine. But maybe because the multiple pieces on the Ravens don't project as well, consider doing Lamar Jackson as a single stack. Consider doing Lamar Jackson as a single stack with no run back, with no Chicago player. Like, let's say we did that. Let's say we did. I'm going to run it. You go, because the, the, the Ravens receivers don't project all that well, but you still want to play Lamar Jackson as a contrarian piece, that you just want to run it with just one and no run back, just Lamar Jackson and just a single stack, and that's it. So let's see what those look like. I'll put in uh, Baltimore. Okay. You don't have to build a hundred. Zero to one. Okay. What am I doing wrong? Okay. One, one. Baltimore. I'll just put them all in and just, because I have a 4%. Yeah. Because it's at 4% and it's trying to, it's trying to generate lineups. That, let's see. Come on. Okay. 
Well, generate them all like that, just single stacks. And you take a look and you go, well, I'm giving up too much projection by doing a double stack and a run back of Lamar Jackson. So maybe for Lamar Jackson lineups, I don't, I don't make that game stack. But for other, for other games, I do. So it's always a balance of projection versus ownership. Doesn't mean you can't, doesn't mean you can't do a double stack and run back of uh, the Ravens. But I would say that this type of lineup is more, more geared towards larger field contests. So if you're playing single entry three max, maybe you wouldn't be running this type of lineup. In a very small field, you'd actually be running the opposite. You'd be doing you'd heavily game stack. So let's go to let's go to the Lamar Jackson. We did just a single stack, no run back. Where's Lamar Jackson? Here's Lamar Jackson. Okay, so now we're at 140, Jackson Bateman, and that's it, right? So if you just use this lineup of 140, 128, that's more comparable to lineups that are like 140, like Lamar, these were Lamar Jackson lineups with the double run, with the double stack and the run back compared to the Lamar Jackson lineup here is a difference of five points of projection. A little over five points, 5.2 points in projection. So if you're going to be playing like other lineups, like these the double, if you're going to play three plus ones, like we'll take a look at a three plus one here of like, uh, let's see, Josh Allen, 138, Russell Wilson, 141. Like, yeah, like if you're gonna, Russell Wilson, double stacks and runbacks, right? So Russell Wilson, Lockett, Everett, and James Conner, 141 at 132. This Lamar single stack lineup with no run back is 141. Uh, well, this is Russell Wilson. Where's where's Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. Give me Lamar. Where is he? There he is. 140 at 128. A little bit, a little bit more comparable. A little bit more. So go, you could go through and see, you know, what type. If, if you're looking at, you know, all my lineups, I want to be in this type of range. Well, that means some lineups you could double stack and some lineups you don't double stack and some lineups don't have a run back. Some lineups have the quarterback with the running back. Some lineups don't have the quarterback with the running back. So when people ask, do you do X? There's no answer to that. There's no correct answer. You can make any type of lineup. You're looking at projection and ownership. That's it. That's it. I know I say that it's like every day. I have to highlight the same points over and over again. It's not about do you build this type of lineup or that type of lineup. It's like you've been held any type of lineup. Any type of lineup that of a, you want as high of a projection you want as possible with the lowest ownership as possible. That's it. Rejection of lineups that have single stacks are going to be different than ones with double stacks and the ones with run backs and the ones is the correlation worth it? Is it worth five points? Probably not. How much is it worth? I don't know, but probably not five points. So that's for you to judge. Should I have a run back in this lineup or not? Well, how many points of projection are you sacrificing for doing so? Whatever that is, is it worth the correlation? Are you getting even more of an ownership discount? then maybe it's fine also. 
Those are the three levers, projection, correlation, and leverage. The question is not which is better. The question is how much projection is what you're willing to sacrifice for each of the other two levers. That's it. Ryan H., let's get to the MMA portion of the show. There's no MMA portion of the show today. I, I didn't finish my sheet. I have not, I've not done my sheet. I've all I've done with my MMA sheet is input the fighters, their salaries, and their 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 win, their money line odds as of Tuesday. So I don't have anything in there. I have no ownership, no projections, no, I don't have any inside the distance line. So there's nothing I can give you on MMA. I'm sorry. But I, from what I could tell, like the 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 odds, the odds between fighters are are much, are much uh, smaller. So on on cards where like we, we we've had a lot of cards where like like we've had heavy favorites and heavy underdogs this is a this is a card that like it's mostly even i mean yeah i think i think at in the high 9000s there's like minus 300 or something but in the middle it's like it's all it's all 60 40s or less so typically on those cards be more inclined to play more underdogs to leave some money on the table Right to get unique. Obviously, this is for large field GPPs. When we have so, so many heavy, I mean, we've had some cards where wasn't there one card? It was twelve, like twelve fights, eleven favorites won. Right, and we had that like twice. Like it was eleven fights, and like all the favorites won. Like those are those are those slates where I'm I'm, nev I'm never gonna I'm never gonna profit. It just creates it creates those types of slates. If all the favorites win, creates too many duplicated lines. So I like I, I'm more leaving 800 on the table, taking four underdogs in your lineup. You know that type of those types of lineups that are less duplicated, and those tend to work better on, right? Those tend to, because when the fights are closer, because the field still is going to probably roster more favorites than underdogs. So that's to me that's that's what it would be. Individual people, I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't done my sheet. I've I've no idea. I put in the money line odds, and all I could see is like, wow, there's like, now pretty much there's a lot of even, a lot of closer fights. I don't want to call them even, but closer. Ugh. Joe Max says, I think it's more that we are lazy and want someone else to give us the answers. Well, well, yeah, well, well yeah, that would be the best of both worlds, but you're not going to find it. Well, the problem is that you have two problems with that statement. I mean, no, no, what Joe Joe's saying is correct. It's nothing against you, Joe. Is that number one? If you're going to be lazy at this, then you might as well not do it. If you want, if you unless you're playing recreational, this is work. You have to enjoy this. I enjoy this work. I enjoy doing this stuff in lineup HQ. I enjoy putting together spreadsheets. I enjoy it. I want the fact that I, that this is what I do for a living is is ridiculous. I enjoy I enjoy waking up in the morning doing these shows running lineups, playing DFS, losing money 90% of the time for the 10% of the time where I win a lot of money. I enjoy doing it. So that to me, it's that the, what, what, what I, I have no, no reason to be lazy. I'm always thinking of what more to do. What more can I be doing? And a lot of times the question is, it's what less you can be. A lot of, a lot of times you think of, I could do this more, this more, this better. This more more involved, and then you find out that a lot of times it's the, it's the more that you cut out, the better you do. So a lot of times it's like I'm going to try to do a lot of more, and then you end up cutting ninety five percent, and then you find that five percent that's worth. 
And that's what, that's what a lot of it is. Oh, I'm not going to watch 300 hours of video. Why not? 95% of it is stuff I've, I, I, I think I already know. It's like, okay, well, then you're watching the 300 hours to find the 5% that you don't. Do you, do, you, do you enjoy doing this? Why not? Do you want to get better? If the answer is no, then who cares? Then do whatever you want. So when Joe Max says this takes work to be successful, Blender gave a great example of how many hours he spent just to get the basic level of expertise. Because there weren't any shows like this. I'm doing this show because this is the show that I would have wanted in 2015. Right? That's that's the reason I do this. Like like in the in the content, if you're looking to get into the content space in any industry, any any field. The biggest, the biggest advice I always give is just make the content you want to see, right? What's out there that you would want that isn't there? You make it. Well, I don't, I don't think I'm, the, like most people, they think of that and they go, well, I don't think I have the expertise to do that. Who cares? You have enough so that that content is not there. So do it, right? Right, I have the theory of DFS course, right? 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. I didn't make up any of the concepts that are in this course. I'm just explaining math, essentially. I'm explaining game theory. Anyone, anyone of these, anyone could have done it. Anyone, anyone reasonably competent in DFS could have done that course, but no one did. So you know what I did? I made the content that I wanted to see. That's I would have wanted that 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com in 2015. That's what I was looking for. There wasn't, it didn't exist. So you know what? I had to learn those things on my own by looking and studying lineups and going, okay. Of course, I had a background in poker. I had a background in games to begin with. So I knew general game theory aspects just had to apply to, to a new game. But people show up and they're like, you know, once you, once you know the concepts, like the process, you could do 700 different ways. Michael Dampier says, please, let's not dissuade lazy people from putting money into DFS, which I'm fine. They're typically not watching the show, right? The, the thing that always amazes me is that people will watch the show over and over and over, you know, multiple times, every other day or whatever. They subscribe to sites. They subscribe to Roto Grinders. It's still like, should I play this guy or that guy? I'm like, how are you still at that stage? You've been, you've been, you've been here for three years. Are you still at the stage of this guy or that guy? You pay for projections. Go, just look at them. Just look at them. What else am I going to tell you? <sighs> but a lot. But one thing when when Joe said, like, uh, said, I think it's more that we are lazy and want someone else to give us the answers. I, that, but th the main problem is that last is that last thing is that there are no answers. Right. There are no specific answers. No, no. Do I play this guy? It's like, no, there's no there's no answer to that question. Here's his range of outcomes based on our projection. Model. What do I know? What's going to happen today? I have no idea. I have no answer to that. So it's like, well, I, what type of lineup should I play? Well, you can play a lot of different types of lineups. They all have different distributions. They all have different levels of variance. Different expected values. They may all be positive expected value, but all, they all come out differently. One contains these six players and one contains those six players. Well, which one should I play? And I go, whichever one you want. Well, how do I get to those lineups? Well, that's, that's the whole point of the show. 
How, how do you get to those lines? I'm showing you how do you get to those lines. But you know how many lineups you could get to? Thousands. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, depending on the contest that you're in. The larger the field the contest is, the more plus EV lineups there are. The smaller field, the less plus EV lineups there are. So like if you're gonna if you're gonna play a lineup that sacrifices 25 points of projection and you're gonna play it in a hundred man small field contest, you're gonna you, that's not gonna be profitable. Right? But that lineup in a, in a the milli maker would be a profitable lineup. How how long it takes for you to realize that profit, you may not have enough lifetimes for, but mathematically it would be profitable in that contest, but not in a smaller, very small field contest. But most of the time, you're not dealing in those that, that, that extremes. You're dealing more in the gray areas. But as long as you're dealing in the gray areas, you're, 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 better than, you're better than a lot of people, especially in the large field contests. Large field contests, we tend to see too many on the, on the ends of the spectrum. Okay, in the lower stakes, large field contest where people make the most mistakes. Where the field or the bad part of the field is either making lineups that are too safe. So they're putting in the best plays, right? They're playing essentially cash type lineups, very small field type lineups. Into, into, into contests that have 70,000 entries, 100,000 entries, whatever. So they have a lot of mid cash equity. They're, they're going to mid cash. A good, a, a decent amount of time, not enough to make them profitable, but a decent enough time. But they're going to have very limited chance of winning first place. So those lineups are essentially like they're giving, they're bleeding, like first place, second place, top ten equity. They're bleeding. They're they're enhancing their min cash equity, but they're essentially saying to the rest of the lineups in the contest, "Hey, you guys, feel free to win." I'm fine here in 550th place, right? And that's essentially what they're saying. Then you have too many lines. Then you have people that build lineups that are way too, way too contrarian. Give up way too much projection. They're playing eight 1% owned players, right? They're playing some lineup that projects 35, 40 points in NBA, right? 20, maybe not even 20, 30, 40 points below other lineups. And it's like those lineups they have so much variance in them that maybe once in a blue moon, once in 700 lifetimes, they win first place. But most of the time they're, they're at the bottom, right? Occasionally they'll mid cash. They actually, those lineups may actually have higher win equity than the mid cash, the other types of lineups, but they lose like 99.999% of the time. So you just have to obviously survive long enough in 700 lifetimes to win once, right? Like, so it's still negative EV. So that's typically, that's where people build, right? The, the bad part of the field, not the good part of the field. Now we're talking about the 30, 30, 40% of the field, which are not very good players. They're average at best. They're either building two safe lineups or two crazy lineups. You have to find that middle, middle ground. But you have to have a process to find the middle ground. And once you, if you're at least trying to find the middle ground, you're you're above you're above the current even the current state in 2021 of DFS. If you're just trying to find the middle ground, because most people don't understand there is a middle ground, right? The good players do. That's what they're doing. They're building 150 lineups. They're going, where's that middle ground? 
I got that middle ground. Let me build 150 lineups into that, into that space. Right. And then another guy's building 150 lineups into that space. And we're all, you know, there's tens, there's, there's 20,000 plus EV lineups. And we're picking the 150 that we want in our little space. And hopefully one of us wins right out of the 150 max type players. So whatever you could have 20 lineups. It could be whatever. And the rest of the field is kind of just like, I think this is okay. I think I'm going to play this guy. I'm going to lock this guy in. I'm going to like, like there's no process to try to find that gray area, that middle ground. So some of their lineups may be, end up in that middle ground. Some of their lineups will be too safe. Some of their lineups will be too crazy. Those are negative EV lineups either way. So you want to find as many in that middle ground, but there's, there could be thousands in the middle ground, thousands. And then when you're looking inside of that middle ground, you go like, is one lineup slightly better than the other lineup? It's like at that point, at that point, you need a better process in order to figure out if one lineup in the middle ground is better than the other lineup in the middle ground. And you're not going to be able to do it through the methodologies that I'm, I'm showing. You'd have to have a much more complex process. Typically, you're simulating out the context. But once you're getting into that middle ground, once you're in that little little V spot in the middle ground, then you're the, you're directionally accurate. How do you get to that, to that, to that area? That's what I showed. That, that's, th these are the blunt ways of doing it. But the tools that we have available to us at Roto-Grinders or via Excel, via, via something where you don't need to be a coding genius in order, in order to accomplish. Now, maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, being directionally accurate May not be good enough anymore. Maybe. But it still currently is. It has been for since the beginning of DFS. I still think that there's enough, there's a there's enough uh, you know, average players that play DFS as a whole in these fields that having a directionally accurate type of approach, a blunt force type of approach like this, is is profitable, at least for, for the near future. Once you see me stop playing forever and say I'm I'm done with DFS, like that that's that's when well I, either I'm done with DFS or I I need to actually you know build something to uh, to ri rival that that type of more more precise process. But this is the blunt way of doing it. So I like to 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 say and go through these lineups and go well which one is better than the other one? It's like a lot of. Once you get down to, to something like, do I play this Lamar lineup or do I play that Kirk Cousins lineup or do I play this this Justin Herbert lineup or that this? And a lot of times you're looking at lineups that are very close to one another. So like to decide between, oh, I'm only playing three lineups, but I have 100 lineups to choose from that I all think are good. How do I pick the three? Well, if you think they're all good about equally, then just close your eyes and pick them. I mean, like, there's no other problem. You have no other precise, more precise way of doing it. So why not just, just randomly pick three? Or you use some type of diversification process of where, where it's like, well, I want to pick three, but I, I don't have all three of you Dak Prescott lines. Well, if you believe that all hundred are about equal to each other, then it doesn't matter if you have three of, of a stack or none of a stack. Like, but if it keeps your peace of mind, if your risk, if your risk tolerance is low, then I, I don't want to have the same guy in all three lines. Okay, that's fine. But then just pick the three lineups that don't have all the same guys in them. That's perfectly fine. 
Oh, let's see. Do, do, do. Byron B, how long did it take you for to get your first big win playing NBA? Not long. <laughs> uh, my, my, my second contest? Well, I, I did the free roll. They used to be VIP free rolls. That's the only reason I got into NBA DFS. Back in 2017, they had monthly free rolls for the VIPs, depending on what level you're at, right? So there was, they always pick a sport, right? But I didn't play, like, they, I didn't play golf. But they would have the golf free roll. So I'd have to look. I'd love look on Roto Grinders. Who should I play? But I understood game theory. So it's like, don't get, I don't want the six best plays. I'm looking at like compared to ownership, right? You're doing some type of game theory thing. So I would always put in golf lineups like that. But then NBA, it's like, oh, I don't, what the hell do I know about the NBA? So it was a free roll. So I was like, okay, I'll throw it in. So the first month I threw in a lineup. I basically just looked at Roto Grinders articles and rankings or whatever, just so, just to put something, it's free equity. For me to not put in a lineup would be stupid. At least put in a lineup that could cash or something. I don't know. So I did that for one month. And the next month, they still had an NBA contest. So I'm like, okay, let me take a look. And, and I looked at projections. I looked at, you know, this guy, this guy seems to be as good as this guy, but is not going to be as high owned. So I'm going to play that guy. Like, it seems like everyone's, everyone seems to be paying up at center. Is there a cheaper center so I could flip the build? I know nothing about NBA. I don't know who these players are. I'm just trying to like, how do I build a lineup differently? That's similarly projected, but slightly lower. Cause it's not that big of a contest. I think it was like 500, 500 entries. And I did that. I came in second, second place was 7,500 bucks for nothing. Right. Cause it was a free, it was a free roll. Once I did that, I'm like, oh, maybe I should play NBA more. And that's when I started playing NBA. So that was the end. That was the end of the 2016, 2017 season, I believe. So that was like April of 2017. And then, then uh, in October of 2017, I won 100K. And it was like the second week of NBA that season. That's I won 100K. And I won 100K hand-building line. I, this is before I used an optimizer. So I was hand-building lineups. I was building, you know, five lineups, 10 lineups, something like that. So it's not how long it takes. So that doesn't mean you're playing well or not, right? Right. I could have just one line. That could be luck. You could play bad and still get there. It's over a long, large sample size. So it's not like how long does it take for you to get like, dude, you could, you could have years. You could have seasons where, where the second week, you know, you bink something and then you, you just go downhill the entire rest of the season. Then you may have a season where you're going downhill the rest of the season, forgetting the season. And at the end, you're big twice and you have $200,000. I mean, like you're playing for first place. So it's, you don't get the time when these things happen. Just play well and survive long enough for them to happen. Just understand you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose. So you're going to lose so much, so often your expectation should be that you'll lose. I mean, like really, Right, Joe Max says in the chat, it's hard to accept losing so much in GPPs when you first start out. You think you're no good and quit. That's why I start with cash 50-50s first so I can learn. Yeah, once you play cash, like 50-50s and double-ups and head-to-heads, you learn what the best plays are. I mean, like, you just learn what the construction is. It's like, oh, I, I can identify pricing inefficiencies. Like, that's your first your, that's your first goal, right? But then you know that other people can do the same thing. So you're like, 
Well, I know this guy is 2002 cheap. Well, that's why he's 68% on. I mean, that's, that's the reason why he's on. Then you get away from that. And you're like, well, how can I build lineups in a way that I can exploit the inefficiencies of ownership? But GPPs are so top heavy. You're playing for first. You're always playing for first. Understand that when they pay out like 20% of the field, that means 80% of the time you're gonna, you should lose even if everything was equal. On average, if you were an average player and everyone was of average skill and they paid out the top 20% of the field, that means you're not going to cash four out of five days as slates or whatever. Okay? So if you play for 30 days, an entire month, your expectation, your expectation, 30 days, right? Your expectation is that you should, you should, uh, what, 25 slate? I mean, like, you should only win money, meaning cash, just single, simply cash. Only what? Five out, five of those days out of the entire month. Twenty-five days, you don't, or six days would be six. That's that's if everyone was equal, that would be more, right? Just cashing in a GPP. Now, obviously, if you're playing for first, you're probably playing lineups that are less around the cash, less less likely to come in around the cash line. So maybe you play an entire month. If you just played one single entry, right? Just one entry and you played an entire month. You played 30 slates in a month. You should expect, expect to to not get any money back from that one entry 27 times. Right? And three times, the three times that you place, you hopefully that it's not just a mid cash, that it's, it's way up there. That should be your ex. That, that's what it is. That's what playing GPPs is. Well, if I'm going to lose over and over and over and over and over, how do I know if I'm good or not? But you need a larger sample. You need a large sample size. There are plenty of people that have actually have won GPPs with bad lineups and they're not good players. And you know what ends up happening? Two years later, you go, what happened to that guy? I mean, that's, that, that's what happened. Uh, Wall Street, Russ. Jordan, do you have to add your finals manually daily to Roto Tracker for it to update? I just signed up recently. Yeah, you have to update it manually whenever. I don't update it daily, though. I typically update it once a month, which every couple of weeks, something like that. No, I don't I don't update it every day. I have such a large sample size that every, what am I going to learn? Like, you know, one day, adding one day to that is not, is not going to change it. But no, you download your DK file, you download your FanDuel file, you download your Yahoo file, whatever, and then you just upload upload it to that. There's a little Chrome extension that works for FanDuel and Yahoo. DK, it doesn't work with, but DK, you typically have to click on that entry's uh, history on the history page like 700 times in order to get it. You click on it and it, it times out. And then you click on it and it times out. Depends on how many entries are in your CSP. But typically, it takes a bunch of times to get the CSV from DraftKings. But then you then you drag it into the little box, you upload it there, and it processes it, and there you go. I don't think there's a need to do it do it daily. Do do it every week. Do it every month. Do it every whatever once every while. A lot a lot a lot of people that that I know only update it when the, after they bink, 
right? After they win the big, big, you know, come in first place. So they may not update it for two or three months or something. Whatever. Oh, let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? This was a cat. This was it was it this was more of a serious casual Friday, right? It was more like the, just, it felt like I was a life coach a little bit, a little bit, not really. Do whatever you want with your life. Live wherever you want, live whatever you want, whatever. Doesn't matter. But that's the general philosophy of why I do this show. I'm showing you the applications of concepts, right? But I'm not showing you anything that's like, oh my God, like. No one's uh, like, no, I, I, I didn't come up with this stuff. This is just like, it's just like Neil deGrasse, like I view myself as Neil deGrasse Tyson when it comes to physics. Like he didn't invent physics. He's just a communicator of physics, concepts, and applications. There's no exact answer. And we're dealing with numbers that'll change. Some people have their own projection moments and they have, they do that. They try to do these numbers themselves and they're perfect and do it. But it means that if your numbers are different from my numbers, my answers will be different from your answers, right? Right? If the numbers change later today, the answers will be different, right? If I if I don't trust certain things, I go, no, I think this guy's going to be even more owned because I changed the numbers. Sunday morning, Saturday night and Sunday morning, I changed the ownership numbers. Because I believe that I'm better at, at the, the intangible uh, the human psychology of DFS than, than algorithms, even manually updated ones. Because like we'll have Jim Giamino, we have the ownership report on Sundays, which you could you could listen to, you could watch on YouTube, where Jimino and Tuttle go over like adjusting ownership on the show. But it doesn't mean I have to agree with them. So do you think this guy's going to be more owned or whatever like that? And I may agree with them, but maybe to even more of an extent. I'm going to bump this guy up to 16%, and I'm, I'm listening to it going, I think you should bump it up to 22%. Because I can hear what's going on. I can, well, I'm looking at Twitter. I'm, I'm, I can see what the constructions look like. And I go, no, this guy's going to be much higher owned than we think. Or this one's going to be much lower owned than we think. So I need to adjust all that because if that's what I think, that's it'll affect the numbers and the lineups that I make. So I, how, how do you do that? You have to do that as close to lock as possible. So I'm not going to be on a Friday afternoon. I don't know who's owned, over-owned, under-owned. I have no idea. These numbers, I'm, I'm showing you the process of what you'd be doing Sunday morning, not what you'd be doing now on Friday and then playing these lines. I said, I, I like, I, I'm using the term like. I think the Bengals-Raiders game may be going under-owned. Higgins maybe not. So I like that game. Like that, I don't like the game. It's just that in comparison to, to their projection and ownership, I think they're 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 plus EV as parts of lineups. But that may change by tomorrow. That may change by Sunday. Right? That may be slightly different on Sunday. Maybe Higgins' ownership comes down. Maybe Waller's ownership comes up. Who knows? But as of now, based on the numbers that I'm looking at in here, that's what I believe. But by Sunday, it may not be that, right? But just looking, so you run lineups, and as you see. So, so many people ask me questions. Do you think this or this? I'm going to run lineups and see. All you have to do is run the run the lineups. 
Do you have projections? Yes. Do you have ownership? Yes. Okay, then run the lines. But you don't. You don't have to ask me anything. That's all I'd be doing. Uh, Hector Williams, how do you enter all the lineups you optimize on a given tool you use, or does the tool have where you could just enter them all at once? Well, you have to enter the contest, and then you you export these lineups this button. Export lineups to CSV. You open it up in Excel, and you cut those lineups into the lineup file that you get from DraftKings or FanDuel. We have tutorial videos, and you can go on YouTube, right? White Hector? Don't make me do what I did with uh, with uh, whatever his name, Gerald, before. How do you enter all the lineups? Well, maybe there's, if you could, there's a site called Google.com. I could type this at like, let's see. I'm going to do this because here's a trick. Okay, Hector, I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to go to Google.com. Okay, I'm going to type in your exact question. Like you're literally... I'm going to add the term DFS in here, DFS lineups. Look, there's a video, easy way to mass upload lineups DraftKings. Using a lineup builder to import and edit, right? So there's all these videos. How to use a lineup optimizer, how to use this side, right? Use a lineup builder, import and edit DraftKings lineups. How to optimize your FanDuel NFL lineups using Microsoft Excel. Okay, you could do this. I mean, here you go. Like literally, you could like I just I just literally Googled, right? Even if I take out the word DFS, I probably still even get those. Right? Yeah, no, I still get those, right? Using a lineup builder, import and edit DraftKings lineups. By Smiz. Yeah, here's a Smiz, right? We Rona Grinders has videos like just like that also. So yeah, it's 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 almost weird that you could have like typed that into Google and find out the information without ever asking me. Kind of weird that that could happen. Skylar Hewitt, you had a video a day or two going through 300 lineups. I've been doing that and getting a couple of players 100%. Should I set uniques to two to mix that up a bit or continue, just continue to lower ownership? Whichever one you like. That's not, that's, do it. Play 100% of the player if you want. Don't play 100% of the player if you want. That's a, that's a matter of diversification. Not strategy. You that, that video going through 300 lineups, do you have to play any of those lineups? You know what the answer is? No, you don't have to play any of those lineups. Literally, you don't have to play those lineups. You can look at the projection and ownership ranges and go, I'm just going to put those ranges in and make 7,000 other lineups that fit that. You can make thousands. When, okay, Skyler? Thousands on an NBA slate of 11 games. I would say that there's maybe in the large field contests, you could legitimately make 50,000, 70,000 lineups that are plus EV. 50 to 70,000 lineups. Now you can only play 150 of them. So which ones do you play? Well, whichever ones you want. You're asking about diversification. The players that are coming up 100% are the, your most valuable players to your lineups. But now build a lineup without any of those 100% players. Obviously, your projection is going to go down, right? Is that projection worth the ownership? You could, you could play that line. That's fine also. So it's not just going through doing that and going, oh, I got 16 lineups left. Those are the best lineups. No, that doesn't mean anything. 
but it's, it also shows you what players make up more of those plus EV lineups, what players are over-owned and under-owned. But that doesn't mean you have to play 100% of those guys or 0% of the over-owned guys. Build like X a guy out and build, build 300 more lineups and then see which lineups you want to play of those. Oh, I got 15 lineups. Okay, X out this other guy and then build another 300 lineups. I mean, you, you, could, you could spend days doing this. Obviously, you could do this in Excel in about five minutes. Okay. I can tell you the truth. You could do this in Excel in five minutes. You could build out, you know, 50,000 lines like that and then choose whichever one you want. But to use a tool like an optimizer, like Lineup HQ to do it, you could do keep on going, keep on. You could find thousands upon thousands of lineups, thousands upon thousands of lineups. Obviously, the smaller the slate, you're not going to find thousands upon thousands. On a large slate, on an NFL slate, dude, you could play any like anything that I built right here. Any of these lineups are fine in the milli. Literally any of them. Oh, you you'd play Joe Flacco? Yes, there are Joe Flacco lineups that are plus EV. Yes, there are there are Tyrod Taylor lineups that are plus EV. There aren't as many of them as there are Patrick Mahomes lineups, but there's still there's probably how many Flacco lineups in the milli are plus EV? Mm, I don't know maybe 3,000, you go 3,000, yes, there may be 15,000 Patrick Mahomes lineups that are plus, and you go, well, how many, I mean, yeah, there's probably 200,000 lineups that you can make that are plus EV in the milli, only because of the way that payout structure works, you go, wow, then how do I, yeah, your goal is to play as many, the highest ones, that's it, that's it, That's, that's the name of the game, if you're at the point of like, I, I need to know the difference between this, this lineup that's this and this lineup that's that, then like, I can't answer that to you. Whichever one you want. That's so close. Flip a coin. But most people don't even know how to get to any, anything. That's, they, they're playing lineups that are way too chalky or way too contrary. Where do you find that middle ground? Once you find that middle ground, you can build thousands upon thousands of lineups. Some have this guy. Some don't have that guy. Some have this guy. In NBA, there are certain situations like we have like Andre Drummond, like whatever. Where like, if you don't play that guy, you drop like 15 points in projection. Like a lot of times you're playing, like you're playing him in like every, right? The higher those, those things, you're most likely. that You're not going to get that in pretty much any other sport. But in football, you don't see that, right? That you have to, if you're getting 100% of someone, it's not necessary. But if those lineups are fine. You're, you're down to, I've got down to 50 lineups and they have 100% of one player. Should I change that? You, you could, those are good lines. Those are 50 good lineups. You know what you could do? X out that player and do 50 more lineups. Now you have 50, now you have 100 lineups to choose from. Okay, what, what did that change? I'm going to change the unique players so I get 3v3s. Okay, you could do that too. And you get 50 more lineups. And I'm going to do it to 2v2s and get 50. Next thing you know, you have you have 5,000 lines. <laughs> so feel free to choose whichever ones you want. That, that, that's the point that I'm making. That's like, well, is it bad to have 100% of a player? No, it's neither good nor bad. Obviously, it's less diverse, but that's... I have 100% of my stock portfolio in one stock. Is that bad? Like, if it's a good stock, it isn't. And if it's good... If, it's in Tesla that's going up 87% this year, then that's great. 
Just understand if it goes down 87%, it's bad. Well, should I just make it so instead of having one stock, I have 20 different stocks? I go, sure, but there's no right answer to that question. It's like, how tolerant to risk are you? Obviously, by being more diverse and having 20 different stocks, the, the volatility of one stock isn't going to make or break you. But the upper end and lower ends are going to be cut off. If one of your stocks goes up 5x in, in, in a month, well, you only have 5% of your portfolio in that. So you do make money. But wouldn't you would have loved all of your portfolio in that? Yeah, sure. But it's more risky to do it. But there's no right answer. There's no correct answer. There's how much risk. When you deal with, when you deal with the, the stock market, with financial planning, it's not about what, what do I buy? What stocks do I buy? What, 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 what mutual fund? What ETF? It all comes down to, well, what, 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 what is your risk profile? Now, obviously, the more, the younger you are, typically you have a higher risk profile. So you have more, you have more time decay, more time to reach. You can make up, you know, oh, your portfolio is down 50%. But I mean, over, over, over a 40-year period, if you're 25 years old and you go to 65, like, most likely you can, you can have way more money than you start with, right? Like it's almost, it's almost inevitable. So the peaks and valleys like this, you can withstand on a 40 year time horizon. If you're 50 years old and you're retiring in 15 years, you probably don't want to have that much risk because you don't want to get to the point where one of those down, down swings happens like right when you retire. So that's why you tend to be more diverse, more into, you know, state more, more, less volatile assets. That doesn't make it right or wrong. There are plenty of 50-year-olds that don't mind that risk profile. Okay, that's the risk profile. Oh. Uh, okay. Do, 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 do. Michael Robbie wants the locks of the week, which they don't exist. Feel free, feel free to to see what the see what my shows are all about. You'll see why. Those questions are stupid. So give me a thumbs up on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs. Uh, I still have to get apple juice. I still have to get ginger ale. I had apple juice. I drank it like all. Now I have to get more apple juice. I have people have been asking where the apple juice has gone from the show. I don't know. Maybe I need more thummy thumbs for the apple juice. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We'll see what's going on with uh, with football coming up this weekend and then i'll be back uh, next week right on monday as i always am right answering your dfs strategy questions as always monday through friday at 11 o'clock eastern on the dfs pregame show on rotogrinders.com <laughs>